Your choice is simple. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration. Hello there and welcome to episode number 15 of Skeptics and Believers, a paranormal podcast. In this episode, Eddie will be taking us through psychic mediums, a subject I'm quite passionate about, and maybe not in the way you'd think. So please do grab a drink, sit back, and we hope you enjoy the show. everyone just have a little bit of a clap just to get the energy up just a quiet clap yeah just a quiet you'll know why we're doing this in a bit i'll explain why we're doing this in a second or two what many of you may not realize is that i actually through doing the research for this episode of the podcast have got the 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 skills and the talent to be a medium so oh yep yep okay okay Mike, I, I've got somebody coming through right now, and they're on the, on your mother's side of the family, and I'm not sure if they're a member of the family or that they, they are close to the family, and that the name B is is very very important. And uh, and Lisa, whilst I'm talking about this, I've I've also got somebody coming through for you whose 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 name is it, it, it's something to do with P. And and uh, you remember them from a child, and they had a scar on the on the left side of their leg, and and and, and Matt, there's um, there's somebody telling me that when you're out and about, you're you're quite a gregarious person, but when you're actually on your own, that um, you 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 have a, a very inner loneliness that you you you're aware of, but you, you try to keep <laughs> hidden. Now, obviously, I'm not a medium, as everybody well knows. Um, I'm a, a very poor contributor to this podcast normally. <laughs> but what I've just given you are some examples of something called Barlam Statements. I'll come on to those in a second. But mediumship, as we know it, or the, the famous TV psychic, is something that's been actually part of our society here in the UK for a long time. Mediumship and spiritualism, as we sort of know it, started around the sort of mid-1800s and uh, was a was a product of the the theatre and stage in the States. In New York State, around the sort of mid-1800s, there were two sisters who were well-known called the Fox Sisters. And they explained that they had the ability to talk to people who had passed. And they actually ran lectures that people could pay to attend and actually learn the skills of being able to speak to the dead. Now, actually, they sort of started the ball rolling in the sort of present consciousness that we sort of know and accept mediums and psychics. But there was an awful lot of debunking that was going on during this time. So actually, uh, during this time, as many people who actually came out as psychics or mediums or spiritualists, for those who actually got cult followings, quite a lot of them were actually debunked as frauds. 
And in the very early stages of mediumship, it was very much a stage show. And more often than not, a lot of stage magic and sleight of hand was used to, to dupe members of the audience. During this time, this is where the the patter of the spirit guide really started. So a lot of mediums uh, in present day, they say that they communicate with the dead via this intermediary, this spirit guide, somebody who comes to them and brings people to them. But this is very much, uh, this was a product of, uh, you know, this time in New York. But um, as things sort of developed, two other sort of prominent themes were that of levitation and also ectoplasm. So we always think of Ghostbusters mm. and Slime and Slimer. Slimer yeah. But that was that was actually a product of these very um, sort of early US seances where people would produce slime. Some of them were really unusual. Some of them, well, one of the famous ones, this, this woman had these two glove puppets that she would use and one would actually start vomiting up this slime. It was pretty gross. And when you think this is sort of 1880, it's, it's pretty pretty weird. But levitation in midair is another one that, that physically the, the, the spirits of the undead would lift you as the vessel. And uh, there was a guy who uh, was based in the UK and a gentleman by the name of Colin Evans. And he was a really well-known seance. He was probably the sort of... Uh, the sort of the pop star medium of, of the time. And he used to have these open seances where he would get people to bring photos and objects. And he was one of the very first people to do that, to get people to bring an object. And he would use that to sort of channel, you know, the, the, the dead who were connected with them. And there's a really famous photo of him, and it's in 1937. And he's seen levitating in midair. And this took part at uh, Wortley Hall in Finsbury Park. And it's a, it's a really interesting photo, uh, you know, we'll make it available you mm-hmm. know, on the website, of him sort of hovering midair. And he, he does actually look like he's in a considerable amount of pain. Now, the thing to sort of notice here when you look at the photo is that his seances would actually be conducted either in pitch black or by, you know, candlelight, so very, very little light. Now, both at the Finsbury Park, but also at a later one, a few years later, some people actually watched him jump in the air and he had some sort of remote trigger to take these photos. And in both instances, there was a large portion of the crowd who claimed that he was a fake and a fraud and he had to refund everybody who had attended, <laughs> which is, you know, it, it, uh, it's quite interesting. I mean, just to give a bit of a background on this, myself, Lisa and Mike, we recently went to see a medium in action. And I'll be honest, that I went there with quite an open mind. I think yeah, Mike, you, you, were, you were very... I yeah. remember you phoned me up when, Mike, we have to go and see this guy. He's amazing. He's spot on with everything. And I was doing my usual, because, as I said before, I think mediums and psychics, especially, well, the celebrity ones or anyone who charges, I think it's a load of BS. But Eddie was very much... Mike, you've got to go and see him. This guy will change your opinion on it. So being sceptical, I thought, you know what, for the good of podcast, I'll go along, I'll watch this, I'll pay my hard-earned money and see see what this guy has to uh, has to offer. And it was um, it was interesting. You see, I, I was invited, wasn't I? Yes. But um, I, I, I declined on the back of the uh, the fact that it cost £12. <laughs> um, not that not that £12. 19 pounds. Oh, 19. Oh, okay. not, not, not that Lord Mike it. is obviously yeah. upset about spending his 
hard-earned money on the yeah. tickets. Now, it's not necessarily the case that that is a massive amount of money, but it's a lot of money to pay to go and watch something you really don't believe in. Yeah, the, the reason I, I say my hard-earned money mm. is because I feel that this guy is earning money by through deception. deceit. Yeah, it, by deception. Yeah. Now, I mean, what, what, I, what I would say is that when I had looked at this particular psychic online... What I thought was quite interesting was that a lot of his um, sort of medium sessions were very specific. So he was specific in terms of the names of people, the the ages of people when they had supposedly passed on to this other realm, what they had died from. And he would also give um, interesting sort of tidbits that... I felt could only be garnered from people who actually knew those people having the readings. What I rather uh, naively hadn't factored in is obviously, you know, there's a lot in the edit. I went there with very much an open mind. It was something, I think it's very similar to the the EVPs. It was something Mm. that I'd seen and I thought was very cool and I suppose I wanted to believe in it. Mm. But when I got there... Uh, I started to notice a lot of really interesting things. I mean, what I would like to do is I'd just like to caveat this sort of general discussion. I don't want it to to seem like we're being very, you know, overtly pessimistic. You know, if this is coming over across as sort of quite pessimistic, then, you know, I do apologise. These are my observations from what I saw in the investigation work that I've done since. I'm sure there are people out there who do believe they have psychic abilities or, you know, have, you know, mediumship skills. And if you do believe that you you have by all means get in contact because we'd love to talk to you but what i saw what i saw which i thought was quite interesting when we were there were, there were a number of um oddities i thought with the way that the the show proceeded for example when we actually arrived there in the the foyer there was quite a lot of people doing the usual sort of merchandising bit mm. One thing I did notice were that there was a lot of stagehands walking around with handheld mics and they were actually walking around as we were going in already with the microphones. Now, you could say that they were sort of, you know, just getting prepared, but I thought it was a little bit odd and I'd clocked that one of the microphones did have a, a light on, which I just found quite strange. The other thing is... Is that they're eavesdropping or something? Yeah. The other, the other part of that is that one of the people who was involved in selling the merchandise also was seemed to be quite heavily involved in the passing of the microphones about later on i don't know whether or not she was employed by the theater or as i suspect by the production company that was that was running so that i thought was quite strange so one of the things that i really started to pick up on was obviously the, there was a hell of a lot of inaccuracies as he was doing what i felt was a patter but there was also some quite odd things especially specifically in the way he was sort of talking and i found that he was using sort of quite suggestive language Hmm. and he also used really sort of complex and varying rhythms when he was talking so for example he would be uh, at times very charismatic and almost sort of comedic when he was sort of talking with people and then at other times he would be not really sort of aggressive but almost firm to the point of being insulting with people Mm. but he would switch backwards and forwards so he would be sort of indifferent to very passionate to almost like he was passing comment as an observer the other thing that i seem to notice that he was doing an awful lot was that that 
what they tend to do is if they do if they say something and they believe that that's accurate that's called a hit so that's a positive hit and you yeah. get then a negative hit so for example if i'm saying do you know somebody called sue and you go no not sue and i say maybe it's susan or maybe it's sarah one of the things that he was really acutely aware of he was doing was he was quite quick to invalidate if he got something wrong which got me thinking that in a almost sort of reverse psychology way that by actually invalidating when he got things wrong that when he then did get to a name that was recognized or picked up he would almost sort of pat himself on the back so it's almost like saying yes i was wrong before but this time I'm really, really accurate. And what he would do as part of his pattern is every time he hit something that was supposedly accurate, mm. he would make a point of sort of doing a bit, a bit of a pricey, a recap of all those things that he would get right. And sometimes there would only be five things that he got right, and there was actually 50 things he got wrong. To detract from the fact that... Yeah. Yeah, it makes you, it makes you so kind of forget. Because let's, let's be honest, as he said, when... He first came on. Some of you in here will be desperate. He said, "There's no, there's no escaping that fact. You're desperate. You've come here because you want contact with someone that's passed on." He said, and "There were other people that are being intrigued." Interestingly, what he didn't say was, "There'll be some of you here who think it's a load of crap." Yeah, because um, why would you pay twenty pounds if you didn't believe it? Yeah, I think what? we were. Well, well, we were all the same. We, really, we, we? He, I think that there was an assumption that everybody was there to get some information. The other thing, that there, was, there was quite a few things, but what sort of hit me specifically, uh, Matt, when I felt in my, in my heart, like what I was witnessing was, you know, it was like almost like a confidence trick, mm. was he, towards the end, he spoke to this one lady and he got a few things wildly inaccurate, but then he made a few comments and this woman, unfortunately cried and there was a camera on her which was shown on this big screen and you could see these tears running down this woman's cheek yeah at that moment i knew in my heart that it was just fake i just knew i you know and it and it took on a real it's difficult to sort of describe the words but it it was watching somebody play with someone's emotions for entertainment yeah. and it and at that point as i said it became sort of almost sort of quite difficult to watch. Even though, don't get me wrong, on an entertainment, you know, from an entertainment perspective, it was entertaining. But it all ended quite abruptly. And I, it, the whole encounter, I just felt, was quite weird. Yeah. So I, I think it's one of the reasons why people have got, um, you know, whether it's one of those things that is uh, it's, it's paranormal, but people do either believe in it or they don't. You don't get a lot of people who go, there might be something in it, you know, there might be something in it. Either people think, this is horrible, these are charlatans who are basically... Like me. (laughs) Like, yeah, like you think. Who, who, you know, these these people are charlatans. They are, like you say, common and tricksters. They're, They're just trying to get money off people for essentially fake messages from the beyond using their parlour tricks. And then there are other people who who believe that, you know, they can talk to the dead and the reason why they have to keep asking these questions about, oh, is it Sue? I'm getting an S name. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a T name, actually. And all that kind of thing. They think that might be because, you know, it's hard to get messages from the beyond. 
or whatever it might be. But you, because it's an emotive subject, you get a lot of people falling into one or two camps. Mm. You do really have... You're not even sceptics on this, generally. You're unbelievers or you're believers. I mean, that, that's the thing. There's a real division. And when this was sort of going on and this one particular person was getting quite upset, you know, part of me did want to sort of stand up and sort of shout... But then, but I genuinely think the mood in the theatre would have been that everybody would have turned on us. Because I think everybody who was there, I mean, for example, when he was doing his sort of preamble and he's guiding his hands over the area of the audience where he thinks he's getting the message from, there are some people who, everything he's saying, their hands are going up. They're so desperate to believe. So I've sort of come away and I, I felt quite sort of unfulfilled by the whole thing. I found it fascinating, but it really spurred me on to start doing a lot of research. And I don't know if you'll remember this person, but as a kid, I remember him as being a TV magician. Mm. And it's a guy called Paul Zenon. I'm yeah. not sure whether or not I you've heard of him. Zenon. Now, Paul Zenon is a, you know, he's a magician. He used to be on a lot of kids' TV here in the UK. If you've not heard of him, check him out. He's pretty good. But... He um, has been quite vocal recently on sort of the mass media side of things about what an unhealthy thing mediumship is and and psychics. And he talks specifically about how exploitative it is. Now, what's quite interesting about Paul Zennon is he's sort of he's come from the other side of the curtain. He's actually come out and said that when he was young and he was trying to get a foot in the door, training to be a magician, he yeah. was taught the tricks of being a medium in Blackpool and he actually spent several years learning it and when he very first started you know when he was very first starting in show business it was the only way that he could make money yeah he's shared recently a lot of the sort of tricks that are used to try and convince people so I've got a few of them that I thought I'd just talk through so for example what a lot of mediums tend to do is that they do these things called love letter cards, right. which if you've lost a partner or a child, you write down on these cards before you go in, you put them in a in a letterbox. And they will then sort of, the team who will support the medium will go through these and they will pick particularly interesting stories. I mean, it's pretty macabre, but some of the time, so he was sort of saying, they will be the ones that have been murdered or have died in a particularly grisly or horrific way. Yeah, because it's a show, isn't it, at the end of the day? So, yeah, they, you know, they want something that the rest of the audience would be interested in rather than, you know, he, he died in his sleep at the age of 84. Has he got a message for me? Yeah. So some of the things that uh, Paul Zenon talks about as well is the fact that a lot of stage mediums will collate all the people who've bought with credit cards and what they will actually do is they will use that credit card information to look at addresses and work out something that um, he sort of terms um, background cold reading. Mm. So that he will look at things like socio-economic groupings based on your what your home address. Do you live in a particularly affluent area? Do you live in a particularly rough area? So he he would use that along with cold reading, which Mikey P mentioned earlier on, and for people who don't know what that is cold reading it's almost like reading body language looking at someone's face have they got scars on their face have they got particularly bad teeth have they got teeth missing have they got jewelry on is the jewelry looking expensive is it gaudy and making a whole series of decisions based on how somebody looks yeah and then what the likelihood of how they arrive to that place is apparently if you vary the temper of your voice 
much like a hypnotist, you can actually get away with a lot. So, for example, there's a, quite a, a famous study in the States whereby they got somebody who had no medium skills or psychic skills mm. at all to sit down with somebody and try and get as many hits as they could. And they recorded this session. Now, afterwards, they said to the person, how accurate you know, was the medium? He says they were extremely accurate. They named eight friends and family... And they said, well, actually, the medium that you saw was a fake. He was actually a trained hypnotist. And the guy was saying, no, 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 no. He got those names. He was extremely accurate. When they played back with the recording, this person had suggested, I think it was 83 different names, but had done so in a way that was was not acutely obvious. So, again, this using complex and varying uh, rhythms, allowing the mediums to suggest more names than than might at first seem you know noticeable but when i started my little segment i used a series of of terms and these are called barlam statements mm. and barlam statements are observed statements which i'll be completely honest with it pretty much apply to everybody so talking about male names the two most popular uh, male names more or less in the english speaking uh, world start with b or p so they tend to use you know we've got a you know we've got a guy who's very important to you his name begins with the b his name begins with p and again it's these statements that will pretty much fit everybody that you know on the outset you're quite outgoing you're very confident but actually when you're on your own you feel quite lonely yeah those sort of statements which apply to everybody and certainly i mean i'm sure lisa will agree when we were there, there was quite a lot of statements about, oh, he was a really good guy. She wasn't just smartly dressed. You know, she really took pride in her appearance. Yeah, I mean, things I mean, that apply to a lot of people. Yeah. That, or, you know, or, or that if you were thinking in a positive way about someone you knew who died, that you, you know, you might think that about them. Well, I mean, as a general The thing. interesting thing, which I hadn't thought about mm. until Eddie just mentioned it, there were two particular women, one woman he came back to twice, the one that Matt said got upset, and there was another woman whose friend had had a, re- you know, had a, a reading probably about 20 minutes before she had. Now, he seemed to be fairly, compared to what else had been going on, spot on with some of the things he was saying to them. Now, hearing what you were saying about credit card information, there's a woman whose son had, um, I believe, taken his own life, and he was he was pretty spot on with stuff like that. But now thinking about it, again, I'm casting aspersions on her. The possibility I'm thinking now is that, well, it would have been in the local newspaper. She would have spoken to the local newspaper. If you've got that person's name and their address or the rough area they live in and you do a Google search other search engines are available you might come across quite a bit of information which you can use and now looking back on it taking what you said Eddie into account I think that's probably what he did with those two people well he was very specific in this one instance Mm. he said there was a death it was very early in the morning it was near a canal bridge, a towpath. He was like an, he was like an hour out, wasn't he? With yeah. The time. yeah but he knew the age of the guy mm. when he killed himself. Is this the one who jumped off the bridge? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he knew the age of the guy when he died. He knew the time, virtually, like you say, to within an hour of, of when he died. 
And it was it was quite unusual to be. But it was not that long ago, which mm. you know, if you were to, it's what it was four years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. So I mean, if you were to search on, I mean, you know, without being too specific, he also talked with somebody, and this was the second time mm. he'd connected with this person about um, a tragedy that had actually ended up killing several people, and it was so hit and miss. But it was like he was being driven by trying to fit certain facts, and there was it, there was quite, there was a bit which I found particularly sort of laughable, where he he said that he was being guided down a down a street, and that he was giving the impression he was describing about where this where this person who had died it was a child in mm. this particular instance that this child was walking home. And he starts talking about a petrol station, a, a petrol corner station, and, a yeah. corner of a street, and this big house on the corner, very, very generic. And at one point, he says, "Oh, and he's going home," and he turns a right, and their response was, "Oh, no, 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 no." There was nothing up there, just the park. And they gave this bit of information. Yeah, he's got his football with him. Yeah, you know, he's going to the park. The, the thing that, as I said, the thing that surprised me was that. In, the adaptability he could change on a you know he could pivot what he was delivering very quickly but at the same time as i said he was quite happy to be shown to be inaccurate in certain places yeah, quite self-deprecating yeah which again reinforces the fact that oh on this occasion i'm not right but look at all these times when i have been right there's another guy that i would really recommend anybody who's interested in mediums and psychics check out he's a guy called uh, james uh, randy and he he looks a bit like santa claus he's actually he he won't use the word magician he uses the term conjurer because he says there's no such thing as magic i yeah. conjure things and he used to have a program uh, he's an american guy but he used to have a program probably in the sort of late 80s early 90s where he tackled all of these, you know, tackled mediums, um, homeopathy, all these different things. And he tried to shine a light on basically people making money, exploiting others. And uh, if you if you go on to YouTube and check out some of his videos, he's, you know, his videos are, are, are so interesting. And he pulls apart the, the skills and the, you know, the, the confidence tricks. Yeah. And one of the things that he, he, he does is he goes to, I think it's, Boston, and he goes and they hire a hotel, uh, like a conference suite in a hotel, and they get some people who say that they've got psychic ability. Mm. What he does is he gets photos of everybody in the production team, and they put them in manila envelopes. Now, in and amongst those, there are two photos of dead people. Right. They get a psychic, they get uh, a tarot card reader to basically go over all of these photos and they give them about 10 attempts to try and find the the you know the, the, the dead, dead person yeah. and on every single occasion they cock it up they don't do it so then what they do is they get everybody they have a, a, a facilitated sit down session with 10 people they've got off the streets and these people write a bit about themselves and about a loved one that they've lost and they get them to fold up these pieces of paper and put them in a big bowl. And then the psychic picks them out and he pairs up these statements. Mm. 
and of the 10 people, the psychic only was able to pair up one correctly, which you would argue that's a law of averages more than any sort of strong yeah. you know, psychic ability. Having watched now lots of mediums and lots of psychics, I am fairly confident that they all rely on this same basic approach and that, you know, as much as I would like to believe that, you know, people are out there trying to talk to the living, you know, my honest opinion is that that's not the case. Well, what I find interesting about this is that the people who seem keen to debunk it are regularly showmen themselves. You know, they're they're almost always magicians. The people that you've mentioned, uh, Randy James. James Randy. I did it on purpose. Um, Penn and Teller. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul Zenon. uh, Darren Brown. Is, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen the show that he did where he just cold called a, you know, yeah. a whole room of people and, you know, it, it, these are all people who... Cold read a whole room. Cold called. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sorry. I'm talking about glazing. Hello, I'm Darren Brown. I'd like to talk to you about PPI. Dude, you'd buy anything off Darren Brown. That's the problem. Yeah, I wouldn't pick up... You... If, if I knew it was Darren Brown, I'd probably do that thing where I'd just slump down in the phone box. <laughs> Hello, it's Darren How's Brown. No. <laughs> Please, not me. I know uh, he no, does it. I'm Darren Brown. I'll give you a £1,000 if you act like you're collapsing <laughs> in the phone box. Hey, whatever works. <laughs> but, you know, these are people who you should be able to trust to explain how tricks work because they are tricksters. I, I, I wouldn't use the term trickster because trickster's used as a derogatory term for someone who's conning you. Yeah, but that's what magicians they're, do. They con you. Well, yeah, they're... they're the showman. Yeah, that's it. But you, 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 when you go to see a magician, you know it's an act. You know there's a trick. Yeah. It's all tricks. That's what magic is. There's, there's, there's no pretense that they're going to tell you something that a loved one who was, you know, there's, they, they don't pull a, a, a note from a dead one out of a top hat, do Exactly, they? No. yeah. You know, it, one of the things that, that is, is good about magic is they don't say, I'm a wizard. You know, they say, this is a trick, generally. Even David Copperfield who is, you know... Been caught out several times. Exactly. But, you know, he, he doesn't say, I'm a wizard. It, it, it's still that thing of figure out I did that. You know, that, that's, that's the thing with magic. Is yeah, it? that's it's, the, always, it's the thing, isn't it? Is yeah. You've seen the magic trick happen and in your mind, oh, wow, how did they do that? I mean, Penn and Teller, I, I think Penn and Teller are among the greatest entertainers in our modern times because they do these magic tricks. And they'll do simple magic tricks and they'll go, well, look, this is how we've done it. But they don't do these crazy things like Teller catching a bullet in his mouth and things like that. And they won't show you. How they to won't do that. show yeah. you. But obviously, you're thinking, oh, how'd they do it? Keep some of it back. I mean, well, the, whole, the whole Penn and, Trella, uh, Penn and Teller um, trick us thing that they had on ITV with Jonathan yeah. Ross. I mean, that was brilliant because it was it was them being shown magic tricks by by people and them telling them how they've out. done it. Yeah. And you get those few where they, they couldn't actually work out how they go, I think you've done it this way, but I can't be sure. And that was, that, you know, that's really good that they're like that because in a way, they're, maybe again, it's for the self-deprecating thing. That's what that's what draws well, you to Well, I, well, I remember uh, it, they do, I think it's a Soaring in Half one, and they did it to this sort of song, Penitent, it was it Switchback, and, and poor old sort of tellers, Sliding himself around these, you know, these tunnels that are built into the stage, and the one where they drive the truck over him, and it's all weighted on the side. I mean, 
this is the thing that is entertainment i i think that when you go to a medium even though i was entertained don't get me wrong yeah i don't think it's it's i mean somebody who i spoke to about it actually sort of summed it up quite perfectly it's a, almost the same sort of relationship that you would have with a, with a doctor with with your gp mm. it, it's that level of sort of trust you're entrusting yeah. this sensitive information to someone and they're actually turning it into entertainment, which is actually, it's pretty grotesque. You're not going there for entertainment. You're going there to receive a service, as it were. I mean, the flip side of that is that you could argue that whether or not it's fact or fiction, that the message that they're giving these people is normally overwhelmingly positive and that that in themselves makes them feel better. But I'm not sure if I get that therapy angle personally. I think... Deceit is the is the thing that's yeah, and, and and again, I think that's one of the reasons why people fall into the kind of believer or unbeliever camp with it. You don't get many people who are on the fence. I think, as far as I'm concerned, now I would consider myself definitely in the sceptic camp and say, "There you go." Well, I've always been in that camp, and I think I'll I'll always stay in it. I mean, I, I don't believe in people talking to the dead and stuff like that anyway. In general, which you you know, which I'm I'm sure you know. I think with mediums. One of the problems with them is that they give the impression that they can more or less, you know, call out a ghost or call out a spirit because someone related to that spirit is in the room they're in. It's this indication they've got power. Whereas when mo- most of the time when you have ghost stories and some of the things we've investigated in the past, it's not like um, the people who've been involved in EVP are out looking for a particular voice. They're just, you know, some random mm. dead voice is talking to them or the um, the girl who was possessed by the the voice of the guy that made her talk like that. Mm. She she didn't, you know, she wasn't going looking for that ghost. Mm. There was no backstory. They, no one was trying to contact a certain person on behalf of somebody else. Uh, I think that that's the, that's the bit that makes it really far-fetched. You know, just this idea of, yeah, you know, I can talk to dead people. Who do you want? I'll get them. Are you after? Plus, my opinion is, right, if you're partying up in heaven and you want to go and let your let a loved one know that um, you're fine, why wouldn't you just, like, appear in front of them and just go, yeah, everything's cool, I'm partying in heaven, see you oh, later. That's, that, that's, you're that's kind of making whole... assumptions on what the afterlife is like, though, mm. aren't you? Or whether there is an afterlife. But that's a subject matter for that's another a podcast. Whole new I mean, just very quickly, episode. Lisa, you know when we talked in the past... And you were saying about um, these people who sat down together and invented this person. And then they... Oh, yes, yeah. Philip Ghost. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I think it's that element of, you know, it's just this... And we see this theme over and over again, this innate desire for us to want to believe. Well, if you imagine, there was probably, what, 200 people there? Maybe not that many. 150 Something I'll, like that. Yeah, probably about between 100 and 150. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't full. It if wasn't even got, half full, was it? Well, a conservative estimate, if you've got 120 people and they're all in that room and they all want to believe and there's a guy at the front who says, yes, I can do this. Yeah. They're all just, they're just sitting, just waiting. I mean, there was, there was one reading which was so utterly vague. I felt like he... She was being particularly vague in the, the link that she was getting. It was about a boy who been knocked off his bike um and she just happened to work at a school where a boy had been knocked off his bike but she didn't particularly know him but she knew of him and 
why? And he he had to go with it because she was saying yes, yes, this yeah, yeah this is I know but, someone. But there I know was, there was like, no enthusiasm. So then about halfway through, he went, "Come on down, I've got your father with me." Yeah, all of a sudden he then kind of changed and went, "Oh, I've got another, I've got another male figure coming in," because she was like. Yeah, well, I didn't really know him that well. And he was like, oh, well, he really liked sports. He really liked playing football. He really liked his bike. He really loved being on his bike. And she was like, well, I wouldn't really know about that because he was just a boy at the school. And so he he was losing her, but he was in this kind of... He was kind of committed to her, like a 20-minute mm. reading of this woman. And we were all watching him. Yeah. And we were all judging him and yeah. all waiting for him to come out with the magic... I'm getting a boy. Friends. I'm going, oh, forget the boy, forget the boy. I've just conjured one of your other spirits. Exactly. I've bought your father. Your father's passed, hasn't it? Yes, my father's passed. And you know, oh dear. But oh. I, I reckon, it, I reckon he could have got every single reading wrong, but that the majority of the people in there would still have walked away and gone, oh, it's probably just bad atmosphere. Yeah. I think it's. I, th- I think personally, I, I, I think I, I was a believer, but as I've said it previously, I, I am now firmly in the sceptic mm-hmm. camp, and I certainly won't be handing a, a, a medium any of my money in the near future. And that was episode number 15 of Skeptics and Believers. We hope you enjoyed the one on psychic mediums. Not as much as I did, evidently. If you did enjoy that and you haven't already, please do like and subscribe to the podcast. And for those of you who are already subscribed, thank you ever so much for your continued support. Uh, Join us next week where there will be a bonus episode uh, where Eddie and Lisa discuss some real-life experiences of their own. So please do join us for that. Until then, please do take care of yourselves. This podcast has been brought to you by Obsidian Shark Productions. The music featured in this podcast can be found at freemusicarchive.org and is used under the Creative Commons license. More details can be found on our website. Music